This morning we'll begin in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 6. I remember when I was a boy in church, they used to say, we should give the confession of our faith, and everybody says, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. I remember one time as a kid going home and asking my mother, what does it mean Christ will come again? Is he coming back? And she said, yeah, that's not for a long time, probably not to be our lifetime. I remember I was thinking about that, and then shortly thereafter, one night, I was looking out the window and I saw the moon. It was a full moon out there. And it looked like there was a cross on it. I ran in to my parents. You know, I got up out of bed and went in saw my got to my parents. I said, I think Jesus is coming. There's a cross on the moon. There's a sign. And they, they went out and they were, what? And they went out and they looked. And if you look at, if you've ever looked at a moon at night with this, through a screen, it kind of makes like a, a cross kind of look through it. And they, they all had a good laugh on my expense, but anyway, since then, and in my adult life, I've come to realize that the time is near, that Jesus will return someday soon, might be in our lifetime, might be this week, we don't know. Now some people, maybe even some here, will roll their eyes when they hear that. Because Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that one of the signs of his coming would be that people would make fun of that idea. Where they would there'd be mockers and scoffers. They would scoff at the idea of the return of Jesus. And they would say, they would make this statement Where is this promise of his coming? I've seen bumper stickers on people's bumpers making fun of it. Mockers. Unfortunately, not all the mockers are outside the church. There are mockers within the church, too, within Christendom. Saying, you know, it's not going to happen for a long time, not going to happen at all. Who knows if it's going to happen? Right, you know, nothing's changed, you know, he says he's going to come a thousand years, you know, people waiting for him at that, you know, at 1000 AD, a bunch of people in France went up and sold everything they had and went up in the mountains. They falsely interpreted the, the words of Jesus and the apostles. And they went up into a mountain and they sold everything they had and they waited for Jesus' return. Jesus says that no one, no one, no one will know that day or that hour. He said the angels didn't know it. He said he didn't know it. He said only the Father in heaven knew it. And he said it would be at his time and his choosing. So anybody who tells you that Jesus is going to come at this time or that time, don't believe it. Because that hour is not revealed. But he tells us to be ready for that hour. To be ready for that day. To be ready for that time. This morning we sang the song, Get Right Church and Let's Go Home. You ever really think about what it's talking about there? 
the evening train might be too late, you know, get in the morning train, you know, because a lot of people are not preparing for that day. And I would dare to say even many within Christendom are not looking forward to that day. The Bible says that Jesus is coming for those who are looking for his appearing. Those who are in preparation, they're looking for his appearing. There are ten virgins, five are wise, five are foolish. The wise were those who were preparing for Jesus' return. And they were ready when he came. And the foolish were those who were not prepared. And when he came, the door was shut. It was too late for them. They had not prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many signs today of Jesus' coming. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was given instructions, he was given prophecies about the time of the end. And Daniel wanted to know more detail and everything. He says, go your way, Daniel. He says, this isn't for your time. He says, this is for the time of the end. And he says these words. People should travel to and fro. And knowledge shall increase. People shall go to and fro, back and forth. What does he mean by that? Could he mean about the way people travel today and travel all over the world? You know, people going back and forth? Maybe. But the other thing we can certainly see in our time is knowledge shall increase. I remember in the 1980s and 1990s that people were saying that we, lived in, we were living in the time of the information boom, that there was so much knowledge that is increasing and at our fingertips. I remember when I was a kid, you, you didn't know something. You had to go out, go back into your bookcase at home and get out one of those big clunky encyclopedias and look up whatever you want to find and you know, hope it was in there. But now you just punch a few keys on your phone or in your laptop and or you know or whatever and there it is. And all and, and detailed information about whatever you want. And there's so much more available. The information knowledge is increasing. Travel is increasing. The ability they <laughs> we've already sent people to the moon. They've sent spaceships onto Mars or they had a landing thing on Mars. It just happened recently. The nearest planet. There'd be signs in the natural signs of earthquakes, of famines, pestilences. There would be Signs in society. There will be signs in Christendom. Apostle Paul said that the man of sin would not be revealed, the Antichrist would not be revealed, except there be a great falling away, a great corruption within Christendom. Signs of the times. And yet there's a sign all around us that we can see on the news every day. There are signs around us that we can see on the news every day. 
We'll begin to read here in Genesis chapter 6. Beginning in verse 5. And then the Lord saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only continually evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked in upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And Noah said to and God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And make yourself an ark of gopher wood. So forth. Instructions to make an ark. So when he finished building the ark in chapter 7 and verse 1, And then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11, In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the deep, great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. Verse 17, Now the flood was on the earth for forty days, and the waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high, rose high above the earth. And the waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heavens were covered. You see, in this time, that the Lord mentions here, but this was a time of corruption and violence. A corrupted society. Men's hearts were corrupted that they were only set on doing evil. But there was a remnant who were righteous before God. And God told them to prepare. And then after they prepared, He would put them safely in a safe place where they wouldn't be judged. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Noah moved with godly fear, building an ark, preparing for the saving of his family's household, for the saving of his household. 
We go to from there to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. In verse 20. In verse 20, he was asked by the Pharisees, when would the kingdom of God come? In verse 22, he says, he said to the disciples, the days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you not see it, and they will say to you, look here, and look there, do not go after them. For as a lightning that flashes out of one part under the heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. They didn't take heed to the warnings. They just went business as usual. And everything seemed to be business as usual. And all of a sudden, one day, Noah and his family went into the ark. You see the similarity in the, and the parallel that Jesus is drawing here. As it was in the days of Noah. We see the days of Noah look like the days of today. A place of violence. A place of corruption. A place where a man's heart is only continually set upon evil. You see all the deceit and the evil and the corruption in the world. Now some would say, well that's really looking at our society through a jaded point of view. Pay attention to the world around you, what's going on. Listen to the news once in a while and see see what's going on. We have shootings going on in our cities. We have all kinds of immorality and, and assaults of and immoral assaults and rapes and, and, and all kinds of kidnappings and uh, people being exploited, children being exploited and Horrible things happening all around us. Abortions happening. Immorality happening. Every kind of corruption that you can think of is happening. And instead of people turning to God, they're turning to other things. And they're turning to the occult. They're turning to the enemy. Supernatural stuff that's not from God. There are supernatural things that are not from God. And some are turning to that. And it's all preparing the way for what's coming. And so, everything seemed to be normal. And everything seemed to be going on just so. And all of a sudden one day, bam, it happens. Jesus said it would be like a thief sneaking in the night. Unexpectedly. Suddenly. So can that happen now? Sure it can. Will it happen now? I don't know. But it's, ha- it's, going, it's going to come. 
And as we look at the world around us, we should be preparing for that. Noah is taken to a place of safety with his family, his wife, his three sons and their wives, eight souls in all. When they were taken and put away, then the judgment began. It doesn't seem like they were all killed on the first day, but it says the water just kept on rising. Maybe some started climbing the mountains and climbing trees or whatever. <laughs> Get on top of their house. I mean, you see what happens when floods happen now in cities. People get on top on their housetops. They get on treetops. They get wherever they can. They move to the higher ground. They head for the hills. And they, they, but they couldn't escape. They just kept them going up. The waters kept them rising up until it covered the mountains. But it wasn't until after Noah and his family entered the ark. So then we will go back to, hold your finger there and then go back to Genesis. And we will go to Genesis chapter 18. This is where Abraham is met up with two angels and the Lord. <clears throat> and we begin in verse 16. Genesis 18:16 And then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way and the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And then the men turned and away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous would be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare the all place for their sakes. And so Abraham kept on having a discussion with the Lord, and it came down to that he agreed with Abraham that if there was only ten righteous people in the city of Sodom, he wouldn't destroy it. God made, told the angels that he would reveal to Abraham what he was going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah because he was righteous in keeping the way of the Lord 
And then he revealed to him with the judgment that he was going to do. And there's a message in that for us. God is revealing to us what he's going to do sometime in the future, maybe soon. There is a message here that we have to take heed to. That God is revealing to us time and again. His judgment is coming. His son will return. And he will rule on this earth. Some may think that's a fantastic and crazed idea. But this is the word of God. doesn't matter what they think. There's going to be a day when there will be no unbelievers. Everybody will see it. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we go to chapter 19 of Genesis. Verse 12, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, your son-in-law's sons, daughters, whoever you have in this city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-law, sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, we got to get, get up and get out of this place. For the Lord will destroy this city. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed only to be joking. They were laughing about it. They thought he was telling a joke. Not serious, you know, this is crazy. They didn't take it seriously. But when the fire and brimstone came down, they weren't laughing then. But for them, for his sons-in-law, it was too late. In verse 15, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Rise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, <coughs> the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him up out of, and set him outside the city. So he came to pass when they had brought them outside, and he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plains. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Verse 21, And he said to them, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Verse 24, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the heavens. And he overthrew these cities, all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grow on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. These great cities were destroyed for the God's judgment. In the In 2 Peter chapter 2, it says that the reason God did it was as a testimony and a warning to those who would live immorally like that afterwards, to live in perversion and sexual perversion and immorality after that. It was a warning to all generations after that. 
But you notice something in both of these stories. Judgment was coming. It says in the New Testament, in one of the books of Peter, that that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he preached the word. Apparently they didn't listen. No one listened. The only ones who were saved were his household. That was it. No one else was saved. No one else would listen. So he's a preacher of righteousness. Lot and his family were taken out. God's judgment came there too. And you notice the words of the angel. says, we can't do anything until you leave. The saving of the righteous from amongst the wicked. That is what's going to happen. Some call it the rapture. Other people have other names for it. But the fact is, the dead in Christ shall rise first. But we which are alive and remain shall caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There is a generation in Christ that will not physically die. That generation is the generation that sees the visible return, that sees the call and hears the call and gets caught up in the clouds with Jesus. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. An instant transformation from mortal to immortal. This mortality will put on immortality. It's going to happen in the, in the last trumpet, the twinkling of an eye. And then, and then, judgment will come. Some will argue against that. But as we go back, Luke 17, you still have your hand there. I forgot and left mine out. You'll pick up where we left off in verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day he was on the housetop, and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, the one taken, the other left. Two women grinding together, the one taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one taken, and the other left. Commonly called the great catching away, the rapture, the return of Jesus for his bride. To take them away to the marriage supper of the Lamb. After which, after... Revelation 18 talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where he and the bride, the church, 
have a great feast. After which, in Revelation 19, we see, it says, Behold, heavens opens up, and him who sits on the white horse, and it's retur- talking about Jesus' return, he talks about he returns with the saints, with the armies of heaven. And there's this glorious, powerful, and traumatic return of Jesus to earth. And his foot, according to the book of Zechariah, the Old Testament, it says his foot will touch down on the Mount of Olives. That's where he ascended from. The angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you look at into the heavens? This same Jesus who ascended will come back in the very same way. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. The book of Zechariah says he will return to the Mount of Olives. And his foot will touch down the Mount of Olives and he will be joined by the church. The armies of heaven. As King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But you see that before that he is coming for his church to take them away. As it says in the book of the Song of Solomon, come away with me my bride. Jesus is coming for his bride. And you see in both of the story, Jesus said it's like the kingdom of God will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And you see the parallel in both of those stories with the coming of Jesus. You see it very clearly. That on the day, days leading up to the judgment of Noah's day, it says that men were doing, they were buying and selling, they were caught up in the cares of this life. And that day came upon them as a snare. They were caught up in the, in the cares of this life that Jesus warned. He says, be, be, be sober. He says, be careful lest this day come upon you like a snare. Be caught up in the cares of this life and the things of this world. That's why they didn't listen to Noah. They thought Noah was nuts building a ship in the middle of nowhere. That's why Noah's Son-in-laws laughed at him. That's why Lot's wife was turned to salt, a pillar of salt. Because her heart was in the world, and in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Sodom and Gomorrah world. Judgment came even to Lot's wife. Because she didn't listen to the warning. Don't look behind you. And so it is in the days of Jesus' return. Don't look behind you. Don't be caught up in this world. Because if you do, that day will come upon you like a snare. And we read that as we go to Luke chapter 21. Jesus gives up the signs of His coming. Beginning in verse 29, Luke 21, 29. And he spoke to them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. And when they are budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. 
So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The generation that sees these signs coming will not pass away until all of this is fulfilled. Verse 34, but take heed to yourselves. That means to watch yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. Or the word carousing can be translated dissipation. That means overindulgence. You know, overindulging in the flesh. Drunkenness. Cares of this life. And that they come on you unexpected. For it will come as a snare. This word snare means like a trap. On the face of all who dwell on the earth. Or on the dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore. This is to his disciples. He's giving a command. Watch therefore and pray. That you be counted worthy. To escape all these things. That will come to pass. And to stand before the son of man. Yes, great escape. The great escape. Escaping God's judgment. That worthiness is only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> but Jesus, in giving the signs of His coming, He says, because of the wickedness of this world, that the hearts of many would grow cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. The Bible makes it clear we must persevere, we must continue in the things that we have heard and we have learned. To continue in Christ. And finally we finish in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And as we go there, we ask yourself a few questions. Am I moving with godly fear to the saving of my household? Am I praying that I may be found worthy to escape these things and to stand before Him? Jesus said we should be praying that. I didn't, you know, we just read that there. Not something that I made up. This is what Jesus said. Are we praying that we shall be found worthy to escape these things? Shall we, are we watching and looking for his appearing? Preparing for the saving of our household. Moving with godly fear. You know, it's so easy to get caught up with everyday life and the affairs of this life and the affairs of this world. And Jesus says, that can surely be a trap. can surely be a trap. And he warns us against it. And in one of the accounts of the gospel, he says, see, I've told you things ahead of time. It's not like we haven't heard it. It's not like we haven't been warned. The Lord revealed to Abraham, who he considered righteous, what he was going to do. It says he saved, it talks about in the New Testament, it talks about righteous Lot, whose soul was vexed every day with the evil that was happening around him. 
the corruption that's happening around him. And we certainly are vexed with what we see happening in our world today. And so God reveals to us what He's going to do. He's bringing judgment. If we ignore this, if we dismiss it, or if we're dismissive about it, if we're careless about it, if we don't take it seriously, if we don't fear God in this, the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews, those who neglect so great a salvation. God has told us it's going to happen. God told Noah it was going to happen. What if he didn't build the ark? Yeah, yeah, okay, I hear you. I said, okay, well, I'll build that ark, but he goes, he's just too busy, too busy to build the ark. Oh, I got to get this done first, and I got to put this wing on my house, and I got to do this, and got to do that, and another thing over there, and, you know, all this other stuff. And <clears throat> you perish with the rest of them. And you see that Lot and his family were dragging their heels. The angel had to grab them by the hand and say, you know, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. Can't, we can't bring judgment until, you know, you get out of here. Let's go. Verse Chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I know in my travels within Christendom and talking to different people, their churches have told them, in Christendom, have told them that that was only a, a figure, that it wasn't really, should be, shouldn't be taken literal, this kind of stuff. It's hard to believe, but again, they don't take a lot of the, some don't take a lot of the things in the Word of God seriously. Where is the promise of Jesus coming? When would they say that? It says in, Peter says it will be in the last days. The last days in the Scripture in the New Testament are a time referred to as a time before Jesus is coming. Before, time before the judgment God last days scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation for this they willingly forget for they're ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water by which the world that existed, perished, being flooded with water. And yes, I've heard people mock about the flood. And about animals being put in a ship. How can that be? How could that happen? It happened. And God destroyed the world with water the first time. And that was His judgment. And people take it lightly and they dismiss it or just say it didn't happen. It says that they're choosing ignorance by thinking that way, by saying such things. In 
In verse 7, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, the word of God's power, are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But brothers, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this reveals to us why God has waited so long. It says it right here. God is of great mercy. He's full of loving kindness and mercy. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants, he's giving people a chance. He's gracious. He's merciful. If the Lord had come in 1979, I would have perished. But because of His graciousness, He let time continue. God is patient, not wanting any to perish. God is slow to bring judgment, not because He's a slacker, but because He's of great mercy. He gives people a chance to repent. We see people doing evil things, and some falsely conclude that because they don't see God striking them with lightning, that it's okay, that you can get away with doing evil. Well, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I can also say that I've lived long enough to see God bring judgment upon, upon people in the course of time, even in this life. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. And it says, as we continue, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The second judgment will be with fire, not water. And therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hasting to the coming day of God. And as one author once wrote concerning this particular verse of Scripture, how then shall we live? How should we live seeing all this is going to happen? We should be living and moving with godly fear. People eat food every day. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Not just some words, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How shall we live? Are we preparing by living and breathing and feeding on the word of God? Are we living by faith? Are we feeding our faith and starving our doubts? Are we preparing for the day of the Lord? Because the day of the Lord is coming. Oh, it's going to happen, whether you believe it or not. Just like everything else that God has said. Everything has happened that God says happened in the Scriptures, except 
the things that are yet to come concerning Jesus' return and the establishment of His throne and forward. Everything else has already been fulfilled that's been prophesied in the Scripture. How shall we live? Verse 14. Therefore, brothers, looking forward to these things, be diligent, be careful, be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the patience or the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation for many. Verse 17, You therefore, brothers, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The preparation of the Christian for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we say we're too busy or we'll take care of that later, that's like Noah saying, yeah, I'll get that Noah, that ark built later, Lord. I, I know I'm supposed to be building it. I'll, I'll get around to it. How should we live? Leave that open for you, brothers. Comment on that. We have to put a ramp. We have about 15 minutes. And brothers, 